Welcome, fans, to Enter the Hexadome, the fourth best podcast about Aristia. G'day, g'day. Okay, and for this episode, we are, as we promised, going to do our thoughts on the top five Aristos. So if you listened to the previous episode where we discussed the AGL season four, uh, we said we'd be back quickly, and we are. We've, we've kept to that promise, although it is still six months since we did our episode on what we thought were the bottom five Aristos. Uh, but we think there's been some interesting changes that have shifted this list. Um, okay, whoa, 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 Jonah, hold on, hold on. Yeah. I'm going to have to stop you for a second. Are you sure that there's not an, another important burning topic that we need to do first? Mm, I don't think so. Although now, uh, now you're making me question if there is. I mean, there's been a lot of developments in the game. Are you sure that we shouldn't do uh, an, an episode on, you know, that, that new expansion that bring, brings a game out for, for three and four players? We you know, should. A primetime conversation. That does seem pretty important. We should do a primetime episode. Yes. Um, that is a good suggestion. But let's do top five. Let's get it done. Oh, all right. And we'll come back in the new year with primetime. Uh, <laughs> not in six months, hopefully. Indeed. Yeah, okay. So um, this might be controversial, I think. Um, I think it will be controversial, especially yeah. as you said, considering how much things have changed. So uh, in a moment, I'll list the, the five that Jason and I have decided on that, that we think are in the top five. Uh, just to say, you know, these are just our, our thoughts. We have been playing the game a lot. So uh, hopefully when we give our reasons, you'll, you'll recognize these. But you may have different thoughts. You may think others should have made it, in which case, you know, please do join me on the discussion on the Discord and let us know what you think. Uh, we always welcome uh, other opinions. And as everyone who's been playing me on TTS knows, I do suck at this game. So, you know, uh, caveat. <laughs> I'm not sure that's true. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm going to give our top five uh, and how we're going to go through them. And then towards the end of the episode, we will have some discussion on the ones that were, or a brief overview of those who just missed out. So the top five that we decided on in alphabetical order are Hexa, Laxmi, Lagon, Oberon and Wild Bill. And so the format of the episode today is we're going to go through each of those and we're going to outline why we think they are good Aristos, so good to be in the top five. Suggest yep. some counterplay for when you come across them uh, and you will come across these Aristos a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. And finally, we're going to propose any changes that we think might need to be made to them uh, in order to perhaps bring them down a notch, bring them a bit more on the playing field with some of the others. Um, although, 
Uh, I think we're in agreement that not all of them actually need changes, despite them being strong. So yes. uh, do you want to kick us off with Hexa then, Jace? Yeah, I, I think Hexa is going to be no surprise to people who are out there playing the game. Um, Hexa has been a strong Aristo from day one. Uh, her set of abilities, her suite of abilities, it has always been extremely strong. In the end, as we often say, in this game of ours is a game of positioning. Um, and everything ultimately is about whether or not you can put the right Aristos in the right place at the right time. Um, and Hexa both helps you to put your Aristos into the right place and helps you to prevent your opponents from being in the right place. Um, and any any uh, flexible ability to do those things is always going to be very strong. Um, she also offers some, um, and this is a little niche, but um, something which has become more relevant recently. She offers some counterplay to minions um, with her ability to move those around. Um, and uh, she also uh, presents one of the strongest counters to some of the best offensive Aristos, certainly the close combat ones, um, like your Moonchilds and your Musashis through her access to immobilization. Um, Long story short, Hexa is bringing to the Hexadome a set of abilities which is relevant no matter what scenario you're playing. Um, she does what she does extremely well and very efficiently, um, and she also has a set of tactics which reinforces um, that strength. Yeah, you, something you've just touched on that perhaps people might not be aware of uh, is Hexa being able to displace minions. You can also displace the five obstacles that are in the Hexadome. They can Indeed. be targeted with actions and with attacks. So that's very useful for another Aristo that we're going to talk about, Wild Bill. If you find mm -hmm. him in a position where he can't shoot a person, then shoot an obstacle to try and hit your switch. Uh, Moonchild can deal herself a wound by attacking an obstacle. So um, they are relevant um, for attacks and actions. And uh, as Jason says, Hexa epitomizes that in, in trying to, to move things around through Vade Retro. The immobilize action that you mentioned, Got Ya, it is really good. Because it's only two yellow, it is a fair bit less reliable than Vade Retro. Um, I always find myself using cards on that if I think it's a really important immobilize to try and get off. Yeah, the switch on it is also quite quite effective. Um, the negative two movement state, I feel, is often underestimated. Um, and it is an unusual role with two yellows to produce no shields, no um, to to have neither a success nor a shield and a special to be able to fire the switch. Um, so even when Gotcha doesn't quite fire, I find that it is able to impose the switch um, and slow Aristos down quite effectively, yeah, um, which in a lot of cases is just as good. Yeah, I, I've definitely hit the switch more than I've hit immobilized if I if I don't add cards into it. With, with regards to her cards, um, she's really, for me, a, a two-card Aristo. Um, I feel like... Access Denied, which is her card that gives minus two to all enemies within one to three, very rarely gets taken because it has to be played at the beginning of her activation. Um, and very often you don't want to go in early in a round. Um, and Ragdoll, 
can be useful if your opponent has taken a lot of ranged Aristos um, and you can it allows you to dazzle them as well as displace. Uh, but really, it's her other two cards where, where her power is, I think, untouchable for keeping her alive and then unlimited power. So Jason already mentioned that her cards reinforce her role as a displacer. Unlimited power is one of the top cards in the game. And Absolutely. if you're playing a Ziggurat scenario, I would say it's probably the best card in the game. Yeah, it's simply being able to displace all enemies and not even targeting them. So it bypasses um, the tactics that uh, Aristos like Garter um, and Dart have that um, uh, prevent opponents from targeting them. Um, it bypasses that ability, those abilities completely um, and allows her to, to displace all enemies regardless. Um, imposing the negative two energy state seems like a significant penalty, but to be blunt, this is something which A, is so powerful that that's a penalty well worth taking. Um, but B, it's often being played either when Hexer is on her way back um, onto the table, um, because gosh darn, is she going to get shot a lot, um, and stabbed, and blown up, and set on fire, and all of the other hilarious ways that Aristos get taken out in this delightful game. Um, <laughs> And or it's going to be played right at the end of the game um, for a last moment win to pull something out of the ether um, at a moment when her taking a negative two energy just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, I think there's an important rules interaction to highlight as well, which is that unlimited power is played during Hex's activation, but you generate your energy for the round before you play the card. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you, you know, it's the start of the round, you, you've ha you're not coming back from the bench, you generate your five energy. If you play unlimited power, you've still got five energy for that turn. The minus two energy won't, um, uh, will go on you, but then it will flip to minus one anyway at the end of your round. So really, it's only a minus one energy. Um, debuff. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the the state token is still on you, so it can still be interacted with. Um, someone like um, Eclipse can target it um, to flip it back over, um, but at the same time, uh, I it's so strong. It's just amazing. Um, yeah. I, I, I would argue that um, while unlimited power is an auto-take, like, there is, there is absolutely no argument for running Hexa and not picking unlimited power. Um, I, I think there is a case. Um, I, I see untouchable. I understand it. Obviously, one of the best counterplays to Hexa is simply to keep her in the infirmary. Um, and so keeping her alive with untouchable is useful. Um, but uh, uh, while it is often... Um, while it's often played down exactly as you just did um, by pointing out the limitations on its timing. Um, I think access denied is often overlooked as another it's it's another game changing tactic. Um, if your opponent doesn't have good stake clearance, um, if you have if you've won a if you've if you've won a round and then your opponent but your opponent has come close to the scoring zone. Um, access denied can mean that every one of their team is then unable to make the next scoring zone um, and guarantee you one to uh, one one to back to back full scores and often a one game. Um, and I think that 
in those circumstances, um, it, it can be well worthwhile. And I think that when it is played well, um, it is it, it, there's a strong argument for including it instead of untouchable. Yeah, I think my experience with Hexer is um, that your opponent will usually have at least one high initiative uh, damage dealer. Uh, and if you've won the first round, there only needs to be initiative five damage dealer because they're going to be the underdog and, and they just delete her before she gets to play Ragdoll because she is a target, as we'll discuss in a moment. Mm. Um, before we move on to some counterplays for her, some of which we've touched on, uh, I just want to say one more thing on unlimited power, um, which, which is just a, a, in terms of using it. Don't feel that you need to save it up to, you know, be able to displace lots of people. If you can just displace one opposing Aristo and, and that can give you a victory point swing, then it's worth it. Um, yes. I did it in a game yesterday playing Assault. Uh, it wasn't with unlimited power. It was with Max's Scram card. And I played it and it only displaced one Aristo, but it changed Assault from a 1-1 one, one score to a 3-0 score to me. So... Yeah. You know, you've got to keep an eye on, on the victory points. It's about what unlimited power does to score you victory points, not the maximum amount of Aristos that you can possibly displace with it. So so do keep that in mind. Yeah. Okay. There, there, it can regularly produce three or more point swings, um, and that's what I look for. Um, an assault's a good example. If you've each got one Aristo in the zone, that's a three that's a three VP swing to knock their Aristo out. Um, so, yeah, no, perfect play, and it's a good point that you shouldn't necessarily be trying to move their whole team around. Yeah, I think that's just a, a kind of general play point, but certainly in relation to that tactic. Okay, what do we think about countering her then? Um, I think you've already touched on one of the, the main counters to her. Yeah, I mean, she's a blue-yellow defence um, and only has three health. Uh, she's not one of the most... She's not the most fragile Aristo in the game. That would be Dart. Um, but she is one of the most fragile Aristos in the game. And, um, yeah, she. if you are putting a moderate amount of effort into putting her down, um, she can be taken out, even by secondary strikers. Um, the likes of Eclipse or Parvati um, can often regularly put Hexa down. And Untouchable will protect her for a round, um, but that's one round of the match. Um, and there have certainly been matches where I have ha put Hexa into the um, infirmary, mostly before her activation for an entire match. Yeah, my, uh, I when I play against Hexa, she is very often uh, my prime target. And I already mentioned, you'll normally have a, a decent damage dealer in your team that's either going to be the same initiative but you've got underdog or you've got higher initiative and, and you just take her out before she has a chance. Um, if she's not on the hexadome, you know, this is something we mentioned last week, fragging being a form of control, then she can't do anything. Um, and she will go down a lot. So when you're using her, you, you need to play around that. Uh, I, I the other... Sorry, the other major no 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 sorry um the other major thing um to point out is that with her movement of four and her range of four um especially in scenarios like assault where uh the the play can move a long way between rounds um hexa can sometimes struggle to keep up um if she's not maintaining a central position 
And if she is maintaining a central position, then that usually means that she's more exposed away from the rest of her team and will therefore be easier to frag. So if your opponent is keeping Hexa kind of in the center of um, the Hexadome and trying to ensure that she's going to be able to influence any of the scoring zones, um, then you're probably going to be able to take her out relatively easily. Um, on the other hand, if they're keeping her with the rest of her rest of their team to kind of offer her a bit of protection, she's not going to be able to go from one side to the other um, efficiently. Um, and while, while she'll help other Aristos to go from one side to the other, um, and this is where her ability to move her own team around um, can become quite significant, um, people often overestimate the reliability of Vade Retro. Um, it, though it will almost always generate switches for Hexa so that she can be moving herself around, it's only about a 75% chance of succeeding um, in terms of moving your target. Um, and so it, it, you should probably expect it to fail at least once every round. Um, and people are often surprised when it fails once a round um, and will curse and swear at how bad their luck is. Um, but that's just expected outcomes. Yeah, I've definitely had rounds where she's failed all of her Vade retros, uh, and, and that'll be pertinent when we talk about Laxmi next as well. Um, yeah. But um, the, the other way that I like to try and negate her effectiveness, uh, if I can't kill her, is to put Dazzled on her. Yep, she does require line of sight, so yeah, she's she's relatively easy to manage in that way, and that's again somewhere where her limited movement um, does start to hurt. And and you mentioned Vedretro being a, a range of four and only costing one energy means she can often come back from the bench and still move someone. Um, so if you keep her on the hexadome rather than than fragging her, but keep her dazzled she, she has to move around adjacent to people so she's kind of way less effective she doesn't have as many opportunities to hit her switch um and, and the final thing that i think uh really hurts uh, uh you just mentioned you've got about 75 percent chance of, of getting a vade retro uh, getting a success on three yellow dice well if you stun her that goes down massively massively yes Hexa is a classic example of a support Aristo who hated Stunned before and hates it even more now. Yeah, Stun is a, a good counterplay to her. Um, do you think we've missed anything else? So Stun, Dazzled, and Fragging. Yeah, I think that I think that's pretty much it. Um, it it's it's interesting to note um, that in terms of her overall uh, attributes, she's quite strong. Um, she's rel she's actually relatively good at holding other Aristos in place, um, especially because when she's rolling her brawn, she's got a reasonable chance of getting a displacement, which can allow her to then move into a position where the enemy will be forced to displace to disengage again a second time, um, depending on terrain, right? Um, and um, her evade also has a very good chance of generating a displace effect so that she can get away relatively easily. Yeah, it, it is worth noting, though, on, on disengage rolls, um, if you don't have more successes than they do blocks and you get your switch, you will get to switch away, but you will then lose all your movement points. True. But, but at least you're not still you standing need. beside Max. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, but that switch might be all you need. Um, okay, so our, our third point for each Arista then is, do we think they need any changes? And if so, what? Um, I don't think Hexa does need changes. I think she's very strong, but she has enough counterplay that she isn't really that much of a problem. What about yourself? 
Uh, I would agree wholeheartedly. I think it's more um, the inherent nature of the game. Um, I think if, if Hexa is always weaker, if at least some of the scenarios which are being used in an event are more frag-heavy, um, and so um, including some frag-heavy scenarios helps to control Hex's ability to be a super-dominant Aristo. Um, uh, if anything, I would argue that a couple of her tactics could perhaps be upgraded. Um, and this is about this is simply about improving the internal competition between your choices. Um, I think Access Denied and Ragdoll um, could both do with some kind of upgrade so that they are a little bit more appealing in comparison to Unlimited Power and Untouchable, despite the fact that I've just argued that Access Denied um, is an extremely valid card in and of itself. But I do understand the point that you were making. Yeah, I think Access Denied would be nice if you if you could play it at any point. So you could just drop from the bench because she very often comes yeah. from the bench and, and just go, surprise, you know, minus two move. Um, um I, I mean so these tactics like um unlimited power during hex's activation like i i would love to see the wording on that changed to um during the actions phase of hex's activation just to kind of bring that in line um with um similar tactics from um releases outside the core box um and ditto with access denied you're absolutely right um if access denied and ragdoll both had um during the action phase of Hex's activation rather than at the beginning. It'd make an enormous difference to your ability to drop them um, right there. Yeah, I don't think anyone is ever not going to take unlimited power, although I think if you are playing against Hexa, you've got to assume that your opponent has that card and keep that in your and in your head. So always try and stand in the very center of scoring zones if you're playing standard side scenarios. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and perhaps trying, you know, play to that. You may even need to say you save your no for it because it's coming at some point. Yeah, exactly. Okay then. So, so that's hexadone. Let's go on to our next Aristo, another support Aristo, um, which is Laxmi. And I think we're both in agreement that prior to AGL season four, Laxmi was very strong, but probably outside of this group of top five Aristos. Um, but the AGL catapulted her into the top five. Is that a fair summation? Absolutely. And saw a lot of play, especially in the top tier of play. Her own um, one AP state removal action. But she also has her passive ability of fairy dust so that if you any of your aristos have a focus token on them they can get rid of that in order to remove a state from themselves and for people like Lei gong who we're going to discuss next uh, that is a, a fantastic ability to negate some of the counterplay into him yes absolutely um laxmi's stun has just it, it's just an incredible now um she yeah yeah, it's it's hard to overstate what a difference it makes to an Aristo with a one energy um, stunned with no line of sight requirement out to five. Um, it, it's just it's so easy for her to get out. It's um, she's got a, she's got the switch to put it out as well, um, so its reliability is even higher. Um, it, yeah, it's just great uh, and. Fairy dust working even when she is in the infirmary or on the bend. Um, and the fact that once you have focused out on your Aristos, it doesn't go away. 
um, and can still be used to fire fairy dust, even if it's degraded, like even if the state, even if it's been sitting on someone um, during their activation and they haven't used it, um, it degrades, and then they can still use it to ditch another state token off of themselves. Um, even if Laxmi's been taken out, it's very, very powerful. That combination is just brilliant. Um, and it pulls her clearly up into the top five. Yeah, we discussed the changes to send uh, last week. I, I hope we've got them uh, across. I hope people um, appreciate just how good we think stand is now. Um, mm. It's, I think when you look at it, it's like, okay, it, it, you know, it's still strong. But when you play it, oh my word, does it just have an effect? Just every role, you're like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. It, it's, it is um, debilitating and very frustrating. Um, I think Laxmi as well. Um, I don't think we need to talk about her uh, kind of skills and so forth anymore. She, she's mostly just pronoun focused and stunned. But she also has Atom, which is, uh, like Hex's Unlimited Power, one of the top cards in the game. Um, mm. um, it's basically... In, it, the great thing about Atom is that it has no timing requirement. You can use it offensively. You can use it defensively. You can use it on any of your Aristos activations. Um, it, it, it's that ability, that flexibility that really makes it so solid. And it pretty much guarantees that you are going to win one role, barring the most comical of bad luck. Yeah. So uh, for those who aren't aware, Atom, you play before a roll is made and you choose an orange, blue or yellow dice from your opponent's pool. And that is the only dice they get to roll. Um, now, the important thing is you play this before they make a roll, like I just said. So if your opponent is gearing up for a really crucial attack and throws in some cards themselves, they add maybe a focus or a take aim to give themselves extra dice. And then you get to play this after that, after all the cards have been played, before the roll gets made. So not only can you reduce the roll to that single dice, you can also force your opponent to waste cards as well. Um, it's a, a really fantastic card. One of my favorite plays with this um, is to wait for an opponent to make an attack and stack tactics onto it um, and play oranges um, to enhance my own defense. Um, but of course, oranges are likely to deal damage back um, and then reduce my opponent's pull down to a single yellow on their own attack and kill their Aristo off of their own strike. It's a beautiful play. Yeah, I think uh, other cards are all strong and, and will all be dependent on, on your situation. Um, generally, mm. I take full Kaleidoscope, which is the one that just hands out stun to the whole enemy team as long as they're within range seven. It's very easy to set that up to catch everybody. Uh, yeah, there was there was a time when I would have argued that Team Reset had a place, um, but I think generally speaking, um, Laxmi's ability to keep focus out on her own on on her own team, um, and also to clear any um, any loose additional states with with Purge ninety two directly, um, just means that. Uh, team re reset is seldom necessary, um, and yeah, the the ability to stun basically all of the opponent's team like it's very rare that you're not going to be able to get Laxmi into a position where she's within range seven of literally all of your opponent's Aristos on the table. Yeah, if um, if I'm playing against a team that has quite a lot of of states, I will often take team reset. Um, 
just like with unlimited power, don't be afraid to use it if it's only going to take a single state off one of your aristos, but then that will allow them to, if they were immobilized, for example, to move into a scoring zone. But do know that it does remove all states. So if you've spent time putting focus out on all of your friends and all of a sudden you feel like you need to play team reset, you lose all states, both the good ones and the bad ones. It's well worth keeping in mind. Yeah. Okay, so counterplay to her then um i i think there's only one counterplay really and that is to frag her, get her off the hexadome um well that's uh, that's true but i think part of what guarantees her place in the top five is that as long as she has had an opportunity to activate and get focused out um and to be blunt, you should always be making sure that Laxmi is well hidden behind your Aristos to prevent your opponent from fragging her before she can activate in the first round. Um, I, I, but it, with that caveat, as long as she's had the chance to put focus states out, Fairy Dust still functions. Um, and so she's still able to provide support even from the bench or the infirmary. Um, and so even fragging her isn't necessarily a perfect counterplay. It, it stops her from putting stunned out onto your models, though. It, it does reduce her energy pool when she comes back. Um, so so I, I think it is worthwhile. Unlike mm. Hexa, so um, Laxmi has those three yellow dice on debuffer, um, which, as Jason has said, you've got about a 75% chance of that going off. So, but unlike Hexa, she doesn't really care about stunned uh, as much because if she's already got focus on her, she'll just use Fairy Dust to get rid of it. Um, or she can try and purge herself. Um, pur purging is an orange and a yellow. It is a bit more difficult with, with stunned on. So, so she is a little bit affected by stunned, but not to the same degree that Hexa is. Absolutely. Um, I, there's an argument if that... It, if you can get both stunned and silenced out onto her, um, so if you silence Fairy Dust and stun her, um, Purge ninety two has a reduced chance of going off. Um, she can't use if she can't use her own Fairy Dust to simply ditch the stunned. Um, then that, that limits her uh, somewhat. Um, as you said, Purge ninety two isn't that reliable if stunned is on Laxmi, but. At the same time, she it's the fact that she's so difficult to effectively counterplay, which I feel really guarantees her place in the top five. Of course, she does have relatively limited movement, um, and while she picks up extra movement points um, from switches, that's only really having an effect in her own turn. So, I sometimes she can she she can prevent present a vulnerability in terms of simply having a body less for the purposes of scoring either by being prevented from getting to the scoring zone um, or um, by being taken off the table. So uh, there's some, some validity there. Yeah, I, I find that she can normally pretty reliably get enough extra movement to, for it to move from one zone to another, um, if you're on the standard player, Matt. Um, obviously on ziggurats, you, you can often have quite a bit further to get, so that's not quite as easy. But yeah, I think, uh, I think taking her out... Um, you mentioned, you know, how you deploy her and protect her. Um, I think before taking Laxmi, although she's very strong, you need to think about the scenario 
Um, if it's one that rewards frags through victory points, uh, there are several of those. Um, the new hunter and prey, for example, um, she folds very, very easily. She is very squishy. If someone looks at her, she will fall over. She's only a yellow, yellow, black on defense. She's only got two wounds. So you may want to take that into consideration, uh, particularly on scenarios where you're able to deploy nearer to one another as well. Um, mm. So I like to deploy someone like Wild Bill in a zone near her so that I can shoot her first turn because Bill's higher initiative and will go before her and I want to get her off the, uh, the board quickly. Um, mm. So you do need to take those things into consideration. Uh, but nevertheless, still a, a super strong Aristo. Um, and you, you've hinted at this already, Jace, but there's a change you think needs making just to tone it down a little bit. Absolutely. Um, either Laxmi needs a similar um, a, a similar ability to, um, oh, crikey, new um, Hippolyta. Uh, so Hipp when Hippolyta goes down, um, she all of her enhancement tokens to initiative get pulled off um and i think one possible change is you could um add that sort of function to likes me so that if she goes down her focus states come off um which would then stop fairy dust from firing while she's in the infirmary um at least as long as there wasn't another source of focus in the team and if you're going to double up on that great that should be rewarded right um but the other thing you could do would simply to state in fairy dust that it doesn't function when she's on the bench or in the infirmary um, and that might be the easiest way to do it yeah i think i favor that approach because i don't think there's anyone else who gives focus out is there am i forgetting it uh oh fiddler does but only on his own jackbots i guess uh, yeah so own jackbots i guess yeah, I think I, I favour your approach that uh, she she should need to be in the hexadome directing it. Um, mm. in order, you know, if you look at all the art, you know, she's got the kind of hologram computer screens up. I, I imagine her with theory just kind of using that in order to remove these kind of negative states from her allies. So I think it would make sense that she needs to be on the hexadome um, in order to do it. I think that's quite an elegant change. I think it's the only static enhancement effect which can't be shut down in the entire game. Um, I don't think there's a similar ability which can be fired from the infirmary. Um, I think Oberon's what the... Oh, actually, no, good call. Oberon, I guess Oberon's card enhancement would be the same. Yeah. Uh, but still. Yeah, it is very strong. Um, and there's an argument that Oberon's could be worded the same, even though, as, as we touched on last week, it doesn't get used that much. No, no, nowhere near as much. Anyway. Shall we move on to our first fragging Aristo, or, or predominantly fragging Aristo, uh, and that is Lagong. Yeah, and I get, I think pointing out that he's only predominantly a fragging Aristo is a key part of understanding why he still has a place um, it, not only does he have um, the ability to pretty much delete one target per turn at will, um, but he's also a really, really strong scorer, um, which I think people often underestimate. Um, his mobility is very good. Um, his ability to teleport away from any attempt to pin him down um, and to move twice in a turn using that teleportation, even if an opponent has immobilized him. Um, 
plus his movement of five means that he's one of the strongest scorers in the game. Yeah, pe- people sleep on that movement five as well. I think they don't expect it. I mean, if uh, you know, as long as he's not pinned down, because if he's pinned down, his agility is rubbish. So he will have to use his teleport. But even if he uses his teleport, he's still range eight. That that is plenty. And and because the teleport allows him to kind of move over people uh, in a way that you know lots of Aristos wouldn't be able to. They'd have to go round. He, he is a very reliable scorer. And I think off mic, you and I were having a discussion about uh, who should make it into the top five. And we had a bit of debate about Lei Gong and whether he should be in or not in favour of of some of the others that we'll mention towards the end. But I think we decided that he should be in because of this manoeuvrability. Absolutely. I think that's the key thing which really pulls him in. Um, I I mean, but he's also very tough. Um, The fact that he can place his own smoke and be in that smoke reliably every turn, um, with no dice roll required, um, with no other requirements, he doesn't need anybody to support him, he doesn't need to work with any other Aristos to be able to set that up, Um, he just does it all on his own, flawlessly. Um, I I think that means that he's also very difficult to take down. Um, Like He seems vulnerable because of his limited defense. Um, and sure, that is a factor as long as you can get to him and target him. But if he's standing in smoke, ranged Aristos can't attack him pretty much full stop. And the fact that he can teleport away um, means that even melee Aristos are going to get one opportunity to put him down. They're usually only going to get the one swing. And if they don't finish him, which for health isn't guaranteed, he's just not going to be there and they're going to die because he's going to kill them on his next activation. Yeah, I was going to make the point about melee Aristos. He doesn't get double attacked very often. Um, he, yeah. he usually only gets attacked once. Uh, and even with you know some of the, the really good Aristos in the game, uh, let's say Valk running up and hitting him at a red and three orange. Um, getting four successes uh, after his defense roll it isn't that reliable. Um, you know, he can take some hits. Um, I mean, to be fair, Valkyrie's probably one of the best answers to him that exists in the game right now um, because she probably does have a reasonable chance of straight up deleting him um, between the stack of abilities she has on her attack. Um, but uh, that's assuming that you don't have, you know, the best defensive card in the entire game in your hand. Uh, yeah, well, because on top of everything else, he's also got Faded and Smoke to be literally immune to all damage for a round. Yeah, Faded in Smoke is a, a fantastic card and doesn't have to be on him. Um, he yep. combos incredibly well with Cosmo. And mm-hmm. I've, I've had a game where Moonchild was stood in Smoke and I played Faded in Smoke and then that lets you attack. And the same is true of Lei Gong. If you play Faded in Smoke early, um, then obviously, oh well, he's in smoke actually. That doesn't matter because he's attacking from outside range one anyway. Um, but you can just give away all, all your shields if it's on on someone like Moonchild. Um, but should we should we talk about his killing potential? Because I think most people's issue with Legon is just how good he is at deleting people. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, so for a start off, he doesn't have to roll dice to be able to place his own smoke. He gets to jump into that smoke automatically, which means he will always, unless you've forced him to move further than three before making his attack, 
So he has a functionally a range of seven from his starting position to his target. Um, if you can force him to go further than that, sometimes he won't get an automatic free orange for a total of three oranges and an automatic critical hit. I mean, he's functionally the same as a fully charged Valkyrie, but with better range, and the red is automatically guaranteed to be the best result. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, we should probably just kind of mention how Legong works in case people aren't familiar. So he's one of two Aristos currently that, that have these two different states. So he comes on his red side, so his initial profile, and at the beginning of his activation, he always flips to that side. Um, but then as a zero-point action he can flip himself onto his blue side, which is his much more aggressive damaging side. Uh, typically, your turn with Lei Gong will be that you will Mirrors of Lei Gong, which puts the smoke within zero to three. You will move yourself into that smoke. You will flip onto your blue side, and then you will declare the attack that Jason just mentioned, which is closed barrage. If you're within smoke, you get an extra orange to your attack, so it does become three orange and a crit success. Um, and he ignores the effects of smoke, so he can shoot through his own smoke and also ignore any that anyone else has placed. Yeah, and he has a. I think he, he's taken a, a slight nerf with the changes to crit successes in AGL Season 4, so that crit success is now just one success. It's not two like it used to be. Uh, which mm. is a good thing. But I think the the, re the reason he's so effective is that his switch l allows him to use one of his shields to cancel one of his opponent's shields. Mm. But he will be attacking from within smoke, which means you can't draw line of sight to him, which means your successes can't do damage to him anyway. Um, there are some corner cases where they would, if he was marked, if he was attacking someone like Bixie or Cosmo or another Lei Gong, who all mm. all smoke themselves. But generally, he's allowed to just switch away his shields with impunity, which I, I think is the thing that really pushes him up. So this is a so one conversation that has happened um, is uh, there has been a counter argument. Well, Lei Gong's not that good. I mean, after all. This same mechanic already existed in the game. I mean, Dart has been in the game um, for a long time now. Um, she was in, an, in a relatively early expansion, um, and she, because she has hidden, has had that same ability to launch attacks without taking any damage herself for years now. Um, and she has a switch which allows her to swap shields um, to negate, uh, to switch out her own shields to negate an opponent's shield. But the thing is, that combination of abilities is something that has been acknowledged on Dart. And during the design process, she was deliberately tuned down in terms of her damage output. Um, it was She was deliberately modified to make her less damaging than any other striker because of that combination of abilities. And what's obscene about Lei Gong is that he has the dice output of the best melee striker in the game in terms of pure damage potential valkyrie and he has it at range and he has it with guaranteed mobility and he has it with perfect defense it's just a mind-boggling combination of capabilities and uh, i still genuinely don't understand how the team that playtested him allowed him to be put into the game in this state. It's yeah. just 
He he remains the one Aristo that I will look anyone in the eye and say, he is broken and should be banned. That is the only appropriate response to him at this time in the game. Yeah, he's... Uh, I, I think the one thing that sort of keeps him in check uh, a little more than Aristos like Mushashi and Bill, although as we acknowledged on the previous episode, they have been brought down with the new AGL rules anyway, yep. is that He's only deleting, I say only, I'm doing inverted commas here. Obviously, you can't yeah. see that. He can only delete one Aristo um, a turn. He doesn't have the ability to take out multiple ones. Um, but he is just so reliable at taking out that one Aristo that he picks on. He's like, I'm going to look at you and you are going to die. And that is that. And, and that generally works. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, that is the key limitation that he has, um, that inability to multi-attack. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> it, that, that's, that is a, um, at least a, a not a particularly strong mitigating factor. Yeah, and he is, as we, start, uh, as we stated when we started talking about him, he, he's a very good scorer as well. He's got good maneuverability because of his ability to do mirrors of Gong. He's got movement five, which is very quick. There's not that many movement five Aristos in the game. Uh, and, and he's got a good suite of cards as well. We already mentioned Faded in Smoke, um, Heaven's Wrath is a, a really good card that just automatically does a wound. And uh, I think we've discussed this uh, previously that, you know, the ability to just do a wound, even though it's only one, but without rolling any dice is really, really strong. Um, and also, if that isn't the final wound to take someone out, you're giving them minus two initiative or minus two movement. And you already made the point when we were discussing Hexa that minus two movement is a, a really powerful state that's very often overlooked. Mm. And to add to his scoring potential, um, he's got I Am Smoke. Now, this does need a little bit of setup, um, but I've had it done against me where somebody um, set it up with Cosmo and scored Capture the Flag first turn with Legon. So I Am Smoke allows him to place on a smoke token that isn't in a scoring zone and you're not allowed yeah. to perform attacks. So you just have a smoke token just outside a scoring zone. He can move from one end of the hexstone to the other and then just walk into the scoring zone. And I've never seen it before. I'd never considered it. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I'm three points down already in the first turn to capture the flag. But all I could do was just marvel at how excellent the play was. Yeah, that is, that's outstanding. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, <laughs> we, haven't even, we haven't even mentioned his generic switch. Um, he can he can spend a success and a special to place himself on a free space with smoke within range one to six. So on top of everything else, if you've got another Aristo to deploy smoke, he can also teleport himself with any one of his either of his attacks. Um, so if you have somebody assisting him by setting up smoke, and Cosmo was the obvious choice here. Um, he can he can be killing and scoring in the same round very very easily. It does combo with uh, faded in smoke as well. If Lei Gong is the person in the smoke, 
not only can he negate all wounds, but he also gets to place a smoke token out within range six for every damage that he negated. So he can place a smoke within six. He still rolls his defense dice. And if he's on his red side in particular, uh, with, with a blue and a black, um, it's not that difficult to hit that switch, and you can hit it. Um, no, you can't hit on the green dice. Actually, you do need to be on that side. Yeah, you um, have to be. Yeah, or adding dice, obviously. Yes. Yeah. So that's very corner case. Uh, it's unlikely to happen that time, but do be aware of it. You know, six is a huge amount to go, and it could potentially allow him to displace into a scoring zone. Uh, I have I have seen that exact combo come off. Um, Faded in smoke. Lei Gong dropping a um, smoke token in a space six um, hexes away and then teleporting into that space. Um, yeah, no, it's bad. <laughs> don't let opponent, don't let, it's bad. Don't let people do it. Lei Gong uh, is good enough without helping him along. Okay, so what's our counterplay to, to Lei Gong? Uh, I think I'll shoot with one first. My favorite counterplay is to take Gata and just dazzle him. Yep, dazzled. Um, Garter and Oberon are both very good at dazzling him. Um, uh, it, don't rely on anyone that requires line of sight. Obviously, it's important to point out he is always going to be in smoke. Um, well, this or, is why I like Gatter is because she's an extra seven, so she's going to go before him usually. Yep. And Dazzle is particularly effective on Legon because his attacks on both sides of his cards have, have a minimum range of three on the red side and two on the blue side. So if he's Dazzled, all he can do is get a contender out um, if he yep. wants to attack. So Dazzling him is strong. Um, uh, do you want to discuss Oberon a bit more as well? And, and um, yeah, I mean, Oberon is strong here because, I mean, because um, he's also capable of dazzling, um, and he's capable of dazzling with no line of sight. Um, but at the, it, it, he's also strong because he can silence Lord of Thunder um, and prevent Legong from flipping. Um, there is, unlike Moonchild, who has a specific piece of text preventing you from silencing her ability to transform, um, Legong doesn't. Um, so you can shut Lord of Thunder down. Um, and stop him from flipping at all. Um, alternatively, um, you can shut down either Mirrors of Legong, meaning that he can't teleport and play smoke anymore, um, or, um, and uh, uh, you can, um, if he is flipped, you can shut down Chi Vision. Um, but because of the way he works, Spiritual Vision and Chi Vision are different abilities. Um, so if he flips um, while he is silent, um, oh, Actually, how does that interaction? Work? I you think get to choose. You get to choose another target when he flips, don't you? I don't think so. I think it just silences the one you said it silenced. Yeah. So uh, you want to be silencing him when he's on his red side, really. Um, but Oberon is good at that because he, he's uh, higher initiative. So um, yeah. You, you so. Either way, shutting down his ability to teleport and play smoke, or shutting down his ability to flip, um, either of them makes him far less dangerous. Yeah, um, stunned is and particularly effective against him just because of, of his brute strength of have, just having so many dice and his switch. Um, yeah, he, he doesn't care about mobilized because it, his mirrors of Legong allows him to to place. Um, as with all of these, fragging him is an option, although we've already discussed that can be quite difficult. 
if you've got Malia Ristos with decent movement and decent um, initiative, like Mushashi is going to be able to fairly reliably put down a Legong, um, but he's going to spend his entire game chasing him down. Um, and uh, if Legong, if you have to kill Legong every round, and that's all Mushashi can do for an entire game, then uh, he's almost worth including at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. Legong can be uh, a big distraction, and if even if you're just distracting for your opponent from scoring, you're still winning the game um, or winning the scenario, which is uh, important. Um, I, I think Dazzle is certainly the most effective counter against him. Um, and, and it's why I always like to pair Leigong with Laxmi, who we've already discussed. You, you put focus on him, um, and then because of Fairy Dust, he can just remove those most debilitating um, states that can go on him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, what would we change to him then? To, what do we think? Because uh, I think we're definitely both in agreement. He, he needs toning down, um, and I think we've got a couple of thoughts on how that should be done. Um, well, I mean, there's one there's one easy and obvious one. Um, I would actually delete Chi Vision um, from his blue side um, and just leave Spiritual Vision on both sides of the card. So, in other words, remove his ability to add an extra orange when he's in smoke, um, which would tone down his attack to being in line with the other ranged Aristos. Yeah, I think two orange and a crit success is still very strong. Yes, uh, it would still make him one of the best um, ranged strikers, um, and it would mean that he wasn't the best striker in the game full stop, as well as being ranged. Um, and I, I, the other thing is, I would significantly rewrite Mirrors of Legong, um, and what I would be doing with it is I would rewrite it to function in a similar way to Tao Wu's ability, um, Hallucinations. Um, so force him to roll dice to play smoke and make his teleportation a switch. So he can't place his own smoke and teleport into that smoke in a single activation. Mm. I, I think I would agree on making it a roll, but I'm not sure it, it would need a switch as well. I think maybe just make Mirrors of Legong a, a, a orange and a yellow um, which is fairly reliable, is probably a, a kind of 80% chance of going off, but isn't automatically guaranteed. Um, I think if you made it, you know, it needed a success to place and a switch to get yourself into it, it, it might be just taking it down a little bit too much, perhaps. Now, the reason why I think that it should be a switch is that it would actually make Legong an Aristo that played best with support from other Aristos. It would mean that you wanted to take him with Cosmo so that Cosmo could put down smoke for Legong to teleport into. Whereas at the moment, he doesn't need anyone to be the strongest striker in the game. Uh, yeah, I I do like characters to synergize. And I've made the point before on this podcast that Legong loves Cosmo and he doesn't care whether Cosmo is on your team or the opposing player's team. He just yep. loves Cosmo being on the board. Um, yep. But I'm not in favour of a, a situation where you're almost forced to take Aristos together. Um, I, I like, and I think that Chemical Brothers is a good example of this. They do operate very well together, 
but they also operate very well independently. And I like that, I, I, which is why I think I wouldn't favour him having the switch. Um, but I, I, I do favour a roll, so it's just not quite as reliable. It doesn't just go off. Uh, and then if it doesn't go off, you need to kind of think about your turn a, a bit more. Um, I think the other switch that I would consider making is just getting rid of his switch on, on closed barrage. They're swapping a shield to nullify your target shield. Um, yeah, um, I'll maybe make it two. If it was a two-for-one exchange, that would probably be less egregious. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think needs to change is Faded and Smoke. Um, it is just too powerful. Um, and I think that what should be happening to it is that it shouldn't be until the end of the round. I think it should be until the end of the activation. Mm, interesting. Yeah, uh, I could see that. I, I think it's worth pointing out as well that we're not suggesting that all of these changes should be made. I think if you made all of these changes, you'd move him from the top five to the bottom five, probably. I, I, I disagree. I think all of these changes should be made. I, I, I think he is unplayably broken and should be banned in his current state. Um, and I think he needs at least three or four changes before he is on par with the other Aristos in our top five. Oh, so you think change Mirrors of Lei Gong to be a role that needs a switch for him to place, get rid of Chi Vision, change his switch to two shields for one, and change Faded in Smoke. And you would still be an Aristo that would be picked. Okay, I, I, I disagree there. I think that would probably bring him down too much. I, I think all of that... Um, <laughs> um, I, I think I would make Mirrors of Lei Gong a role uh so that it um you have to roll to do it but you get to do the whole action if you do it i, I wouldn't make the place a switch and then i would change either close barrage to the two shields for one or get rid of the switch completely or change chi vision I, I think that would probably be enough just to to it would bring his lethality down um have i just made up a word lethality is that a word no that's that's, that's a legit word yeah, it would bring his lethality down um, and also lean more into his mobility and get people to sort of uh, use that a bit more. Because I think primarily people are taking him just to, to frag people because that's what he does. And he is so good as a scorer. Um, and I think that that's very overlooked at the moment. Um, I he There's that whole other side to him that I feel isn't being played into right now um, because he is so good at simply deleting an Aristo a turn. Yeah. Um, that uh, I th it's important to keep in mind that while I think a number of changes need to be made to, t to tone down his damage output, he would still be one of the best scorers in the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, like, think I, I, I think he's better than any other scorer other than um, Gata. Yeah, I, I do like his scoring potential. Um, I think if you do all of those changes, uh, he just gets subbed out for other people. Uh, which might not be a bad thing, but I think I think you need to be quite cautious in a game like this that has so many moving parts that uh, oh, it's it's want. okay. Um, well, for a start off, I doubt I doubt we're going to be seeing nerfs anytime soon, um, no. and I know that V's approach is far more cautious than this. <laughs> uh, I think I'm I'm probably uh, more cautious than you when it comes to Legong. Uh, but let's let's move on. We've got two more to discuss, so let's discuss Oberon. Uh, yeah, 
Now, like Laxmi, he is one that has been catapulted with season four. Uh, I made the point last week that had we done our top five Aristos on time, Oberon wouldn't have been in my top five. Uh, but because we're doing this after the release of AGL season four, he is absolutely catapulted into my top five. He's so good. Fair, he, he was one of the Aristos that we talked about, maybe including in the bottom five. Uh, um, did we? I've, yeah, I've played I, a lot we, of Oberon since then, then. Uh, yeah, we, he, he wasn't one that we settled on, but he was definitely a name that got mentioned when we were, when we were having the initial discussion about who we were going to put into the bottom five. And you're right, like, it's fair to say that we quickly decided that he wasn't one of them. Um, but his name was definitely considered, um, which I think goes to show just how far he's come in terms of his overall significance. I think probably also demonstrates how much I've learned him since then, because uh, I think he, he'd have been in my top 10 prior to AGL4 just launching, because I, I have started using him a lot. Um, I think, in particular, I played in one of the previous leagues against uh, Krotos, who's a, a very good Russian player, and he is in Oberon, and he he just showed me what Oberon could do. And I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. Um, yeah. And I started including him myself, and I... Prior to AGL Season 4 launching, I thought he was uh, a very good Aristo, probably not quite threatening the top five, but in the top ten. But now he is just so good. Uh, I mean, we're, we're doing this in alphabetical order, but he could maybe be one. He's so strong now. He's so good. Um, well, what, why don't you run us through those key things that are making him, if not number one, then certainly challenging for it in this season? Okay, so firstly, uh, silence was already a, a very strong state. Um, we have discussed it in as a counterplay to some of the very strong Aristos already. And on yep. his action, you'll forget when waking, he has a switch that allows him to put out stunned or dazzled. And obviously, stunned has become much better in season four. But I think the key thing that's really made him very good is you'll remember when dreaming. So this is a three-action point action, an orange and a yellow dice, and on a success, you get to search your tactics deck and pick a card, and then you shuffle it. But it also has a switch on a shield and an exclamation, which is fairly easy to hit on an orange and yellow dice. You get to draw a card. Uh, now, important well, Actually, that's his generic... That's his generic switch, so he, yeah, can, sorry, he yeah. can hit that any time. Yeah, sorry, I, I wasn't clear. That, that's, that switch isn't on your Remember When Dreaming. It is a generic switch, yes. Mm. Uh, so he can do it on your Forget When Waking as well, although when he's doing that, he tends to want to use the, the symbols for his other switches that are specific to that action. Um, True. Just a quick note on timing is that switches happen before you work out your successes. So if you do this action, you draw your top tactic before you search your deck to choose a tactic to pick out if you get a switch and a success. But card draw is just so good now. Um, you, We mentioned last week that you're, you're not drawing a card every time you frag someone now. So the ability to just get extra tactics cards through his switches and to choose out specific tactics that you want. One thing that I found early in AGL 4, um, 
first game that I played, I didn't see, I used the standard deck, I didn't draw stick to the plant or catch my breath. My opponent didn't draw then, no. Um, it's more difficult to get those really key cards that you want. So the ability to just look at your deck and say, yeah, I'll have that one now, thank you. It's just yeah. so good. Um, he obviously plays well into those Aristos who have extremely strong tactics. Um, and I think that there are definitely some team builds that lean into tactics heavily that Oberon certainly enhances. But anything that's offering additional tactics draw in this new environment where we're not getting as many in hand thanks to frags, it's just, it's very, very solid. Um, but there was already an argument. Um, I think I think it's Legong that really catapulted Oberon in the competitive stakes in my mind. Um, Legong being such an obnoxious problem to deal with, and Oberon being one of really only two Aristos that effectively counters him, having a line of uh, a no line of sight necessary dazzled. Um, it, that has really pushed him up the rankings very substantially. Yes, yeah, his his counterplay is good. I mean, and, and stunned and dazzled uh, are very good states to get out. Not only on Legong, um, but but in general, um, if you can pair it, and I have done this sometimes, it it does give you two very very squishy Aristos. But Oberon loves hanging out with Laxmi because if he uses a focus on his attacks, um, I have had a uh, sorry on his actions. I have had occasions where I've double switched to draw tactics. So I've drawn two and then looked through my deck for another one. Um, it, it's very strong. True. I mean, obviously, he has the ability to drop a tactic to add a yellow um, to a roll. Um, and that is a useful ability. I'm hope is certainly something which is important to keep in mind. Um, of course, that requires you to have good access to tactics. Um, and a lot of the time, in this season especially, you're not necessarily going to be wanting to drop tactics to pull yellows. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, um, so I spoke on the previous episode that I think TCOM is the big winner, uh, or a big winner of, of CCL, uh, season four of the AGL, and mm. it, it combos so well with Oberon. Um, I played them together in my league game last night, and having the ability to just get lots of cards yourself to use TCOM to cycle through your cards when Oberon's not sort of picking out the ones you want um, and forcing your opponent to drop cards. I, I always had the cards I wanted um, and I put a lot of pressure on my opponent's hand as well. It was a really good combination that I enjoyed. Nice. Nice. Um, the other thing that's quite quite good to point out here, um, with Movement 5, Oberon is actually relatively good as a pocket scorer as well. Um, often I find opponents tend to ignore him um, if he is hanging back and simply drawing tactics. Um, but then being able to move 10, he can often shoot into a scoring zone um, unexpectedly. Uh, and that is something that has proven useful to me in matches where I have been using him. Yeah, I put him in the middle yesterday in assault. Um, but he had Brave. A, well, <laughs> I've got Maximus in my league team, so he had a Maximus. Ah. Um, and and I think he took 
in the end, across the game, four or five jackpot shots to the face and, and didn't go down, which is quite impressive. Um, that is quite impressive. I moved him to another scoring zone as well um, because, yeah, movement five, don't sleep on him. Even though, uh, and one of the counterplays to him is just to frag him. I know we've said this yeah. before, but he is very squishy. He's a blue and a black defence, and he only has two wounds. He's very easy to take out uh, if he doesn't have a, a Maximus to take all his wounds from him. Um, but even if it's um, even if he's getting taken out, if you're just running into scoring zones and forcing your opponent to deal with something and spend their action points on, on getting him off the scoring zone, that can be worthwhile. Absolutely, um, and yeah, I, he can be he can be a surprisingly useful pocket scorer. I, I love these support Aristos who have high movement. Um, it just forces opponents to keep them in consideration when it comes to their scoring potential, um, or gives you the opportunity to pull something unexpected when they don't. Yeah, very often as well, you'll give up your you'll, you'll let him go down because you'll just let him take the wound, so you can draw a tactic with his switch on defense. I've definitely done that myself. Uh, and he's also really effective coming back from the bench as well because, you know, he's initiative six. He's activating before most people. Um, he can drop down next to people and just do your forget when waking and your first activation of, of a round when he's coming back from the bench. You can just drop next to several Aristos and particularly if you use some cards on it, you know, a, a take aim or a focus to get the extra switches off. You can really just come down and upset people a lot with him. Yeah, I've definitely dropped him, um, dropped a focus and something else um, using I'm a Hope to add the third yellow. Um, and I've effectively shut down two of them and people seldom, seldom see it coming. Um, if anything, in terms of a disadvantage to Oberon, I've never been that impressed by his tactics. Uh Okay, I I do like his tactics. I, I always play with the same two. So I always play with Desire, which is a kind of uh, yeah. similar version to Wild Bills. You get to use a tactic again, um, yeah. which I think is really strong. You know, that option, True, no arguments there. That option to use a no and then use a no again, or um, in the in the team I, I'm playing for the league, you know, eight ball is an Aristo who's a bit below the curve but has some fantastic cards, and, and being able to use those cards more than once is really strong. Um, mm -hmm. And I really like despair, um, which is the one where you can draw three tactics and then choose two and put them on the top or bottom of the deck. Um, you can do it to yourself or your opponent. Um, I always tend to do it to myself to try and kind of get yeah. key cards. Um, I, I agree his tactics aren't fantastic. I have heard of Destiny being kind of situationally brilliant. Um, yeah, it can be decisive, but it's hard to pull off properly, especially that you then have to keep Oberon up. And as previously noted, he's not exactly tough. Yes, yeah. Um, I think Destiny is a good one to play when you're coming back from the bench, where you can drop him down as far away from anyone as possible at the beginning of the round. Um, and then you play there. So Destiny is the one that stops both players using any tactics for the remainder of the round. So if, like me, you, you tend to be someone who leans heavily into tactics early to try and get that advantage, um, you know, if you're getting quite low on tactics, um, which, which can happen because, you know, early on, you'll almost always be doing card draw with Oberon. And then I find this role switches up towards the end of the game. 
Um, mm. I think it can be situationally useful if you're if you think your opponent is holding on to cards for that big combo. But um, it, it certainly makes Hexa unhappy when you drop Destiny with Oberon in a corner of the table no one can get to, um, and she then can't use ultimate power to win the game instantly. Yeah, I, I just think it's very situational. You know, it, it, mm. it's not even always going to get played. You might have it in your hand and not have a situation to do it. Unlike, for example, Hexa and Laxmi, who we've already t- discussed, who have cards that independently are just absolutely phenomenal. I don't think any of Oberon's cards are, are quite in that category, um, but he himself is, is still fantastic. Um, Other than Desire, which, yes, fair. Recycling tactics is amazing. Yeah, particularly if you pair it with uh, the, the last of us that we're going to discuss in a moment, Wild Bill. Um, but before so- we move on, um, how would you tone Oberon down? Well, do we think there's any other counterplay first, apart from just fragging him? Um, he, he's slightly upset by stunned, I guess. Uh, yeah, orange and yellow isn't terrible in terms of um, bypassing stunned. Um, it, certainly having stunned on him will make it less likely for him to hit his switches a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah um, think... And it decreases his reliability, but I'd, I'd hesitate to call it a hard counter. Um, his range isn't that great, so a mobilization can hurt him. Yeah, if he wants to move, I feel like if if all you do in a turn is you'll remember when dreaming, he doesn't mind so much. Yeah, I, I found that um, I, I, while I understand that use of him, um, when I have been playing him, I've tended to use him a little more aggressively. And by that, I don't mean shoving him in people's faces, but I do mean moving him around and using you'll forget when waking to actively interfere with my opponent's Aristos a bit more. Um, and so uh, immobilization certainly hurts when you're wanting to use him that way though it is fair to point out that he can always just default back to oh well i guess i'll draw some tactics yeah i find early game i I focus on tactics the first round or two um is normally try and get the tactics but obviously they're a finite resource so um after that uh, i tend to lean more into getting him into places and doing your forget when waking uh, and I think that's just part of the game is is knowing what you're facing and when it, do you need to get an important card or do you go, need to go and silence someone to stop them doing something. Um, and, and that's part of the game that comes to experience. Exactly. But in terms of changing, I think you'll remember when dreaming and you'll forget when waking should both be three action points. I, I think being able to do both in a turn on an initiative six Aristo, so he's very often getting to go first, it is probably a bit too strong. Um, I, I, yesterday, for example, in the game, and I've had this in several games, I've got him into a position where he's able to do both um, in a round, and, and it can just be so strong. On the other hand, I'd argue that if your opponent is allowing you to put Oberon into a position where he can double, where he can use his entire activation. Um, to draw tactics and then to affect your opponent's Aristos without killing him is a failure on their part. Um, He is so vulnerable to being put down that if you're putting him out there like that, and admittedly, like you can double tap him, right? If you've moved him at the end of the turn and then you immediately activate him again at the beginning of the next um, round, with high initiative, sure, you'll occasionally be able to pull that off without him going down. Um, but unless you are dedicating your last activation, first activation to him like that, and there are a lot of other Aristos who want to take advantage of that 
potential double tap opportunity. Um, Oberon should be relatively easy to frag if you're exposing him like that. Um, personally, I think that the change to silence has just gone too far. Um, I think that the way it was upgraded this season has simply made him too good. Um, and I think that dialing back the improvement to silence so that it only hits um, abilities and um, automatic abilities rather than attacks as well um, is the simple change which takes Oberon from being better than he should be back to good but not amazing. Yeah, I sort of glossed over that actually, sorry, that um, Silence got better this season. We discussed this on the previous episodes. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last time. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, just in case um, uh, anyone didn't listen, if uh, if you didn't, well, you should. Uh, but yeah, si Silence getting better is a, a big change to him. Uh, and he can do that double tap quite effectively. Um, you know, the, the only Aristos with higher initiative than him are, are Gata and Axel. Um, very often, you can play around the fact that uh, you might become underdog second uh, in the next round. Um, so he can do that double tap quite a lot. Um, I, I think he's very effective at it. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, I, I, I understand the point that you're making, but I, I feel like um, an Aristos remaining static in place and using their entire and using their full energy pool to activate two abilities um like that that's actually not unreasonable um and if you'll forget when waking was improved to three it would mean that all he could ever do was move and activate one of his two abilities and that's a rare restriction um and it'd also make him far far worse coming back from the bench. and i'm i'm wary of putting Aristos into a position where they basically don't function at all for two rounds? Uh, well, he still, I mean, the first round back from the bench, he could do exactly the same. He'd be fine. It wouldn't make a difference. But the second round when he was only on four energy, I, I guess it would, because currently he could move and do, you'll forget when waking, um, which he wouldn't be able to do if you made it a three AP uh, yeah. action. Or he comes back and uses either on three in the first round. So, yeah, so uh, I, I, but yeah, that that would be the change uh, I would make. Um, yeah, you can frag him, but uh, as I found out yesterday, um, he's really obnoxious with his friend Max. Nice. Keep, keeping him um, in terms of in terms of other changes, um, <laughs> I, I I think I'd be looking to upgrade his tactics personally. Um, but um, making yeah, it yeah. better—that's controversial, Jason. Oh, well, I suggested making Hexa better by improving some of her tactics, and I know that's a controversial position, but I just, I like the idea that P, uh, an Aristo's tactics should be equally attractive. Um, and I think that like Hexa, there's an auto take, and then there's three options. Um, and I'd rather see those three options improved. I think if you either brought down silenced or, or change your remember uh, you'll forget when waking sorry to to three AP then I think yeah you, there's a case for improving some of his tactics but at the moment I just think he he's so strong he's so good particularly in this new season. Um, I mean AGL yeah. I mean if you change the card draw um, then all of a sudden he, he does take a drop because uh, it's his card draw I think that that really makes him strong. True, and uh, I would argue the other thing that's making him strong at the moment is um, the fact that he counterplays well into some of the other 
strong aristos that we're talking about here um and so if there were other changes that altered that meta and so for example Legong was brought down um a couple of notches i think that also brings oberon down as a natural pl- a counterplay to Legong. Uh, yeah that's fair okay shall we we've just discussed card draw and i think that gives us a, a nice segue into our last arista that we're going to discuss uh in our top five which is wild bill and this yep. was fortunately he comes last in our alphabetical order but also i think in our top five he is number five for both of us uh, and we had quite a bit of discussion on who else to we could have included and i think we decided it was his card or ability that probably just kept him in the top five at the expense of some of it i would agree wholeheartedly and yeah i think um we'll talk about the um aristos that nearly made the cut um and uh, it is definitely his ability to draw tactics which which keeps wild bill in the top five this season um obviously he remains a strong aristo um his uh his ability his ranged ability to take down targets is second only to legong um bill is a very good counter to legong if you can get him early. So if you're on one of those maps where you can deploy nearer to each other, he's a very good counter to Legong. Um, yes. If you don't get to shoot in round one, Legong's in smoke and making you sad, unless you're playing Sterling Forge and have by inches. Yeah, I guess then you can walk up and put a gun against his temple. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which um, is very it, yeah, I I must say there is there's definitely a place for an Aristo to come to come out um, with the offering the ability to ignore smoke as a tactic. Um, it, there's definitely a, um, a a a play archetype there which um, remains unfilled. Throwing um, multi-spectral visors around the hexadome. Yes, or something along those lines. Anyway, um, but in terms of Wild Bill, obviously we. He's been popular for a while now, so I think most people will be familiar with his strengths. Obviously, he's got that high initiative. Um, he's got good range. He's throwing an excellent dice pool. Um, he's got the ability to add extra damage by discarding tactics when you need that one more star to put someone down. Um, he's got the opportunity to multi-attack um, by uh, fire firing twin pistols again and on top of everything else he has the chance to draw tactics um he's a very solid all-round aristo who even has good defense and reasonable health at four um yeah it's it's really hard to point to any any significant weaknesses that wild bill has i think his range in a way can be a weakness and we'll discuss that when it comes to counterplay but yeah i think um as i as i've said the, the thing that made us include him in the end was that uh, his generic switch to draw a tactic and remember what i said towards the start of the episode about just you know if you need to just shoot uh, obstacles because that can be a way to to try and hit your switch um mm-hmm. very often i'll be prepared to take some damage on bill if it means i can get a card particularly in this new version of the agl where cards are so difficult to come by um and related to that i think he's got a suite of uh strong cards with two in particular that are extremely effective so so ace of clubs which is the one that just lets him have an extra attack and jason has already mentioned you know his attack stats are good he's a red and two orange with a built-in success on top so a very reliable attack um it's not unreasonable for bill to be able to to use ace of clubs and shoot with his action points and take out two aristos 
and with a bit of support from someone like Laxmi hitting his switch to shoot again as well can be uh, very deadly. But in, again, this card-based meta with them being more difficult to come through, uh, come across, Ace of Hearts, which allows you to draw a card back out of your discard pile to put it into your hand to use again, like Oberon's card that we just discussed. It, it, it's just very, very strong. Um, those are the two cards that I always take. Uh, the exception would be if I was playing Blitz, and then Ace of Spades can be quite useful. Ah, uh, because of the amount of cards you're drawing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. no one's played Blitz, I'd recommend it. It's such a fun scenario. It's it's really good if you're um, playing the Met. Well, you can do it, Jason, but not over here in the UK. Those real life events where you meet up in person. Um, <laughs> Hallelujah for good leadership. <laughs> yeah, but Blitz is a fantastic pre or post lunch scenario because it's over yes. so quickly and it's lots of fun. And, and Ace of Spades is good in that, but. Um, Anything else we want to say on, on why we think Bill's good before we talk about counterplay? No, I mean, as as one of the core eight Aristos, I think he's so well-known generally out there in the community. Um, Bill's a strong Aristo, and he always has been a strong Aristo. He has been from the very beginning of the game. Um, and unlike some others um, who have certainly fallen out of the top five, he maintains his place thanks to that ability to keep tactics in your hand in a season where that's hard to come by. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, and, counterplays. Yeah, fragging him, uh, always a counterplay, but not actually that reliable. Green, blue, and four wounds it is, yeah. a few exceptions aside, it's more or less the best defense in the game. I mean, yeah. the he's tank solid. of Max is obviously higher, but um, he, he's not easy to put down, albeit you'll find your opponent is sometimes willing to give up some of those shields and take wounds to, to draw extra cards, but then you're sort of putting yourself in a difficult situation. You, you might be trying to get rid of Bill, but then you might be giving up cards. Um, I, I think Dazzled, um, a, a bit like Lake Gong, is, is the best counter for Wild Bill. Um, just run and you've got more ways to get it out. Yes. Um, yeah, Gatta uh, and Oberon, who, who we've already um, discussed uh, previously. Uh, Bill has a minimum range of two, so if he's dazzled, he's very sad about life. Exactly, um, and uh, because he, he's not going to be hiding in smoke, um, it adds the likes of Eclipse um, as additional Aristos who can get dazzled out on him, um, and obviously uh, she's another one that can do it at range, um, and so it, it makes Bill more vulnerable to that particular kind of counterplay. Yes, yeah, um, can be quite good on him. Um, he he's got a built-in success, so at its worst, then just gets rid of that and brings him to a red and two orange. Um, in the new AGL, the stunned rules are, are particularly effective at stopping him drawing tactics or getting his switch to shoot again. Um, his yeah, switch true. to shoot again is three exclamation marks, and on a red and two orange, that's actually pretty hard to do. And he has to shoot. A different opponent as well. It can't be this. You yeah. can't tap into the same person. So uh, he he doesn't like stunned. Um, immobilize can work in the right situation if you can immobilize him and then run away so that you're out of his range of six. Absolutely. Um, but I think the uh, on top of everything else and the single best answer to Bill as well as all of the ranged Aristos um, other than Legong is simply to play smoke. Yeah. Um, if your opponent is running Cosmo, then Wild Bill is a very, very sad boy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do we think he needs changing then? 
Um, I'm going to say no. I think he's fine. Yeah, um, I, I, I think that there's probably some place to some space to tweak around with him. Um, I wonder whether his range might be slightly longer than it should be um, in terms of his overall um, killing ability. Um, that's probably the thing that I would consider playing with, maybe pulling that down to five. Okay. But um, It'd be weird that Dart's arrows could go longer, but it would make Luna a bit more distinct, and I think that's I mean, something you mentioned last week. To be fair, it's weird that Dart's arrows go further now. Uh, well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I just shrug and accept that it's the hexadome. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> makes sense here. Yeah, I, I think Bill is strong. He remains strong. Um, I think AGL for, for well, the, the card draw um, is what's kept him in, in the top five, I think. Uh, this this was our most debated position. Um, yeah. So should, should we have a very brief discussion? Because um, I think we've covered our, our top five now, but a very brief overview yeah. of the four I've got who just missed out. So they were uh, Cosmo, Mushashi, Moonchild, and Valkyrie. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think um, we've mentioned Cosmo several times in this conversation. Um, and Cosmo remains a very strong Aristo, but um, just generally speaking, is strong, especially because of the way that she either enhances other Aristos or counterplays other Aristos. And so if none of those are present, she's not that great. <laughs> uh, I mean, I uh, Cosmo is my most taken Aristo in the game on my, on my AGL stats. I absolutely love Cosmo. I think mm. you've already mentioned Smoke is a, a good counter to range people apart from they've gone. I think she's got a, a possibly the best set of cards in the game. I think they're all really good. Um, yeah, certainly although, it's hard to choose between them, which is good. And I'd like there to be more Aristos where you had to make a hard choice. Yes, um, which uh, I, I think, you know, I've spoke about TCOM already. She loves TCOM because getting one of her cards into the game so you can you play with three of them is re really important. Um, I, I think... All of the ones that we've covered are, as our top five are, are generally quite specialist. And I think Cosmo is a bit of a generalist in a game that tends to favor specialists. Yes. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I still think she's great. Uh, she probably would have been in my top five prior to AGL4. Uh, let's, not, let's not dwell too much. Mushashi, I think, is possibly the one. Well, Mushashi and Moonchild, I think people will be, will be surprised about. Surprised. Yeah. yeah. Um, Just to say, if, if you think we're wrong, and if you think these other ones that we're talking about now, or even some that we haven't discussed, should be in the top five, then um, that's absolutely valid. These are just our, our opinions. Um, mm -hmm. They could be wrong, uh, and you may be excelling with different Aristos, and we'd love to hear about it. Absolutely. And every every meta is different. Um, and um, obviously, in in my meta at the moment, we have the privilege of being able to play face-to-face. -face. Um, but to be blunt, um, Tabletop Simulator for Aristea is so good um, that if you're not playing on it right now, you should be. Uh, everybody should should get Tabletop Simulator, the opportunity to play against people around the world is well worthwhile, um, and you should do it. This is a great opportunity to keep 
playing this game that we all love. Um, and I've certainly been loving it throughout this year. Um, it's been one of the real bright spots of 2020. Um, uh, but both Moonchild and Mushashi for me um, suffer because they are so frag focused in a season which no longer rewards a frag-focused play the way it used to be. Yeah, I, I made the point last week about the way Mushashi used to be kind of get on a roll and snowball, and he, he can't do that anymore. Uh, yeah. He, he is still fantastic. Um, you know, his raw stats uh, still make him very good, and his attack is still good. Um, yep. But uh, and he's uh, a perfect combination of great mobility along with close combat lethality. Um, that like he remains overall a well-designed Aristo who's always going to be very competitive. But yep. when he can't snowball the attacks, um, but when he can't snowball tactics to string off attacks um, and and multi-fire his switch the way he used to, he can't shine the way he used to. Yeah, and I, I still think uh, if we move on to Moonchild very quickly, I, um, she. She has some issues, that I think, that need addressing. Uh, we won't get into them here for the sake of time, but she is predominantly focused on on killing. Um, so, like you say, same as Mushashi, the meta has shifted a bit. Um, mm. uh, frags can still be important, but I, I made the point last week that um, I, I saw a lot more games in the tournament that I ran where people were winning without having the highest number of frags, and, and that is... Yeah was generally quite unusual. Uh, and I played my league game yesterday and I won. And for the first time, I caused zero frags in a game. Oh, nice. I love yeah. that. That sounds like the best kind of win to me. Yeah. And I realized afterwards, I would have been able to win without even making a single attack. Um, I did at one point just make some attacks because I didn't have anything else to do. Uh, yeah. I, ended up, I ended up getting Max killed with his last wound because I made an attack and I rolled really, didn't roll any shields and he died. But... <laughs> He was on fire anyway, and it didn't matter to the game. But I did think, oh, I could have possibly won that game without making a single attack. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's definitely shifted. And Valk, we've made mention of her as being good for smacking Gong in the face. Mm. Not, not being able to be displaced is, is still extremely good, uh, particularly, you yep. know, we've discussed Hexa. And, again, another Arista with, with really great cards. So my second most taken Aristo. So don't think we forgot yeah. about these. Uh, we just think that AGL season four has shifted the meta a bit in a good way, as we discussed last week, and has perhaps jiggled around that top five. And it would have been very easy for us, I think, to probably have done a, a top 10 and have spent uh, three hours on the podcast. But um, oh, yeah. we'll leave it there, I think. Yeah, no, well said. Um, there, there are solid arguments for all of those. Um, and if you wanted to call that our top nine, that's definitely not a false reflection of the way we both feel about it. Um, and uh, I think it's quite nice that we're leaving it at nine and let everyone else project their own favorite Aristo into that top 10 themselves. You're yeah. all right, everybody, every single one of you. Well, once the podcast is out, uh, we're recording this a couple of days before Christmas, uh, and the previous episode hasn't quite gone out yet. So I suspect it'll be some point in the new year that this episode goes out, but we'd love to hear your thoughts. Tell us where we're wrong, where, where you agree, where you disagree, maybe something we've overlooked that we should have included. And we will hopefully be back at some point in the new year with another episode as well, perhaps on Prime, perhaps on something else. 
Yep. Um, come and come and have a chat with us. Um, there's the WGC Aristea group. Um, there, I'm also active in the Aristea Australia and New Zealand Aristea groups. Um, if you are on Facebook, um, if you have not yet joined the Aristea the game Discord, you should. Um, it's excellent. The discussion is fantastic. Um, the developers join us regularly there um, in the conversations, and it's wonderful to have that kind of access to us. Um, and I'm also access. Uh, I'm also active on the Infinity Forums. So if you want to kick off a conversation there, um, throw abuse at me. Um, I'm Admiral JCJF, and I'll re respond to that no matter what format we are chatting in. Yeah, I'm on the same Facebook group. So the well, not the Aristea Australia New Zealand group, but I, I'm on the WGC Aristea Aristea the game, and also the Aristea UK group. Uh, I'm also on the Discord. So I'm just Jonah or Michael Jonah Reese on on the Facebook groups. Uh, I'm less active on on the forums, um, but certainly yeah, drop in, um, get playing. There's always some sort of event going on on the uh, the Discord through Tabletop Simulator that Jason already mentioned. So we'd love to play some games against you guys and uh, chat to you. Yeah, um, come hit us up um, and um, I'd love to play you, no matter where you are in the world. Yes, one of the great things about TTS. I think I'm up to about 15 different countries now I've played opponents in. So um, Oh, I should be keeping track of that. Yeah, that is one of the great joys of TTS. But... Uh, Bye for now, folks, and thank you again for listening.